0: Not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't drop him.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm not gonna hold you. Season two, episode three. Man, as usual, I am your host. You know to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott. You can follow this great network. This show is on H and B Media at H and B Media TV on Twitter and H H and B Media on Instagram. You subscribe to the Patreon of the Barbershield Network at patreoncom backslash Chair network. and you can, and you can follow the Barber's Chair Network on Twitter and Instagram at Chair Net. Let's just get right into it. Let's just get right into it with our sound off, man. As y'all see, I've got a big, dumbass smile on my face on this day. I'm not going to sit up here and act like that I'm not enjoying this anymore than I am because I am enjoying this so much. I've been enjoying it since that amazing Saturday night. I've had a lot of people text me, tweet me, Scott, just because the Packers fail doesn't make the Bears good. That's fine. I've accepted the mediocrity that my football team is. I've accepted that I might never see my team hoist the Lombardi trophy. It, it might happen, it might not. We have a promising GM that we'll get into on 79th The house. We're just waiting to see who the head coach is gonna be. But that's not what we're here for. I'm here to sh- throw dirt on my enemies, man. And we've got, if you've been under a rock, the uh the Green Bay Packers, number one seed, got eliminated in the first round. In fact, both number one seeds in both conferences. The Houston, the Houston, uh, not Houston, I say Houston, Tennessee. They used to be the Oilers. Tennessee Titans got eliminated by the Bengals. And by the way, we'll have the homies John and Dottie O from the number one Bengals podcast on later in the show to talk about that game and to preview this week's AFC Championship. But the Packers, all through the season, they're the number one team. They're going to, it's Aaron Rodgers to lose. He's going to win this one in his possible last year. You know, they're going to finally get over the hump after losing the NFC Championship game in the last two years. No more. None of that. They got eliminated in the snow. And let's not forget, let's rewind two years ago. I wish I had the video queued up. Let's rewind to two years ago after the Packers got their ass kicked in the NFC Championship game by the San Francisco 49ers in San Fran. Aaron Rodgers went to the podium and said, man, we got to get one of these games in Green Bay. It's a lot different when that temperature's below zero, below zero, and there's snow outside. Well, Mr. Immunized, it was uh below zero and it was uh snow this past Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. And y'all lost. Not only did you lose, he did not throw a touchdown in this game. So I got a little, I got a couple facts for y'all. Some fun facts. Don't get mad at me, any Packer fan watching this. Actually, if you do get mad at me, I don't really give a fuck. Cause fuck y'all. I got a couple facts to go over, a couple couple stats. What they say on, on Sports Center back in the day? Cool, light, cold, hard facts. I got a couple for y'all. Aaron Rodgers now has 16 straight playoff starts without starting in the Super Bowl. And for those of you home wondering, that is the longest in NFL history. He has a 12 and 10 playoff record in his time in Green Bay. In Patrick Mahomes' five seasons, In the NFL, he already has eight. And by the end of this weekend, he might have nine. So he's getting closer to that. He has a one and four record in the NFC title game. The last NFC championship he won was against Caleb Haney. 10 years, 11 years ago. A game that went down to the wire it shouldn't have because you're going against a second string quarterback. This is a guy who has not been to the Super Bowl since Obama's first term. Whitney Houston was still alive. The last time Aaron Rodgers uh, won a Super Bowl. Obama was in it just it wasn't even what, what I said, the first time? It wasn't it, he wasn't even getting ready for election. Michael Jackson only been dead for two years. LeBron James had no championships. We didn't know, we didn't give a fuck about who Steph Curry was. That's how long ago it was. And he is now 0 4 against the San Francisco 49ers. He is the first quarterback in NFL history to lose to the same four times. Four, so lose to the same team four times in the playoffs. Never, never happened before in over hundred years of this great league. We've never seen that. He is now tied with the illustrious quarterbacks Trent Dilfer, Neil McDonald, Neil O'Donnell, and Rex Grossman for conference champions, championships. And if Jimmy G wins this week, Jimmy G will have two NFC titles in only two healthy years as a starter, which is incredible. And Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra, they used to say on those NFL Films videos, now hosts the most playoff losses over the last 20 years with seven. Seven over the last 20 years. as a hell of a home field advantage. Now let's talk about these four huge three and outs that Aaron Rodgers has had. Over these last two playoffs. We cannot forget about a three and out Down 28 to 23. To the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last year in the NFC Championship game. We cannot forget about the next drive after that. where they went three and out again. With the same 28 and 23 score. Against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just this past Saturday. Three and out. Up 10 and 3 against the San Francisco 49ers. And then his last possession. Three and out. Tied 10 and 10 against the 49ers and Aaron Rodgers went two for eight with nine yards and took three sacks in those possessions those are the course like cold hard facts for Aaron Rodgers today man I I say all this to say this good riddance good riddance now this this could come back and bite me in the ass he might sign an extension I I don't think it's gonna happen that's always up you know on the table you can't really you know guess anything that this guy's gonna do but we can stop. We can stop sitting up here putting him in your top five list. He's not a top five quarterback. I don't care what you got to say. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not John Elway. He's not Joe Montana. See, he might not even be Patrick Mahomes. There's a lot of people. To be a great, and I understand, if you want to talk about talent, if you want to talk about talent, cool. If you want to do the talent conversation, yeah, he's probably the most talented quarterback to ever play this game. That actually makes it worse to have the 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 playoff success that he's had. There's nobody to to blame. Over the last couple years, we can blame his receivers. You can blame his defense. You can blame Matt Lafleur for taking the ball out of his hands last year on that on that fourth instead of going for it on fourth down and just take kicking the field goal. You can blame a lot of that. Can't blame it this year. Defense played their asses off. Defense was great. Running game came out. Devonta Adams had a hell of a game. Your quarterback, who's supposed to be the best, is supposed to go out there and deliver. And sometimes you lose. Sometimes you lose. That's fine. Tom Brady lost this week. But what team, what did Tom Brady do? He went out fighting. You can't go out there and, 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 and put together the whole show that he put together over this last offseason of dragging this out to basically two weeks before spring training started. And then go out go out there and put that type of performance out there. And honestly. It's it's to the point right now where it's like he's got a lot, a lot to prove. He's got a lot to prove as far as putting his accomplishments up against anybody. That's a great chance in a couple weeks he might win his fourth MVP. Nobody's going to give a shit. Nobody's going to care because we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl that he's not in once again. And that's all I've got to say about Mr. Aaron Rodgers on this great, great day in my sound off. Now let's get into our rundown, man. We've already talked about Aaron Rodgers, so let's talk about Tom Brady, the one and only, the GOAT. Tom Brady uh, did not get the job done this past Sunday, and, and and to keep it all, keep it a buck, he didn't play that well. Didn't play that well, but like Tom Brady does in typical Tom Brady fashion, they were getting their ass kicked, and he raised his arm from up under the ground like the Undertaker and tied this game with about a minute and 30 left. Nobody saw. I'm pretty sure Tom Brady's face was looking like, I know Matthew Stafford didn't just throw a 70-yard bomb down the field. But you just love the resilience from Tom Brady in that moment to even make it a game when it really should have been a blowout. Now the question that we're going to hear is what's next for Mr. Brady? Is he going to retire? That's been a lot of of the rumors lately, a lot of the smoke. Or is he going to come back for that final contract year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I don't 100% know what he's going to do, but I do think that the way that he's been talking in the media, even a little bit in his Instagram post he had a couple days ago, it kind of feels like... I would not be shocked if he decided to give it, you know, give it a, you know, call it a career. I wouldn't be shocked if he does that. And a lot of people are like, well, you don't want to go off on a loss. Yeah, that's fine, he's got Sam 7 championship rings. He'll be fine with that. He's basically right now just running up the score anyway. And from looking listening to him talk, and if you've watched his series, Man in the Arena on ESPN Plus, he's content. He's content with his career, and I don't think that's going to bother him. I don't think that's going to be a factor. I think the factor is going to be what, it's, what his wife wants him to do and what his kids wants him, want him to do. We all know his wife, Giselle, has said for years that she doesn't like him getting hit continuously, and she would like him to be home more. And I really think at the end of the day it's going to come down to his kids. If his kids are tell him, like, yo, we want you to be home every day, then I think that's going to happen. I think Byron Leftwich potentially being the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. None has been confirmed yet, but the the rumors allowed that he will be the Jaguars coach by the end of the end of the week. I think that's got a big thing to deal with his decision because this is a guy who's really really helped him, you know, adjust to this new system. He was in the system in New England for over twenty years and had to adjust to it, and that's what we saw in their in their championship year, which took them pretty much the whole season to adjust to a new season. I mean to a new system, so I think that's going to be something that's going to play into his decision. What what are they going to bring Chris Godwin back? What's going to What's the roster going to be look like? What look like next year? And I think all that's going to come into play. But at the end of the day, if I had to make a guess, and like I said, we don't know. Tom Brady is unpredictable. I think he calls it. I think he calls it quits. I think my honest opinion is. I think we've seen the last of Tom Brady. I hope it's not. He's my favorite football player ever, so I would love for him to continue his career. And he said himself, he doesn't want a farewell tour. He doesn't want one of the uh things that you know the Derrick G, the Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade uh tour that happened on their last year, last years of their careers. He doesn't want that, and that's why I think that even if he goes out with them losing to the Rams, he'll be fine with it, man. So if I had to pick, I think I think we might have seen the last of the goat. Now, as far as Rodgers, all jokes aside, all Green Bay Packers hate aside, I think he's done as far as with the Packers. I don't think he's going to retire. Um, but you never know what this dude. He might just wake up one day and be like, yo, I don't feel like playing today. That, that could be something that happens. But I honestly feel like, you know, his relationship with the Packers and the GM over there uh, is much better than it was a year ago. And he said that this week on Pat McAfee. And one thing that you can kind of respect about Rodgers is he says what's on his mind. I don't think you can ever, you know, anything that Rodgers says is what Rodgers feels. And he's been on... Record multiple times over these last couple weeks, especially after the elimination to the Niners, that the relationship with the Packers is good. And I think they're going to come to a mutual decision to, we're going to trade Aaron and we're going to find a great place for him. We'll get a, a nice amount of assets back and he'll go to a place that he wants to go to and have a great chance of winning championship. Now, if you're wondering why would the Packers shove him out the door, I don't think it's a matter of shoving him out the door. Like LaFleur said at the end of the game, press conference at the end of the game on Saturday, we love to have him back. But you got a quarterback who we drafted, who's going into his third season, Jordan Love, and you're going to have to decide soon whether or not you're going to pick up his rookie option. So, whether you think he's garbage, I don't think the kid is any good. But whether you think he's garbage or not, you still have to see what you have instead of wasting that traffic. And Aaron Rodgers isn't isn't a spring chicken. He's 38 years old. I know Tom Brady's out here playing in his 40s, and we, it makes it think that everybody just plays well at this age when they, when they don't. But he's 38. He might just say, yo, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And if you're the Packers, you don't want to commit long term to a guy who is 38. And that kind of was a factor in Tom Brady leaving New England. You know, it's like we've got to eventually figure out the next step in the future of this franchise. And the Green Bay Packers are in cap hell. You know, they're going to be like 50 million under going into this offseason. I don't know what they're going to do with Devontae Adams. You know, Devontae doesn't want a, a franchise tag. No player wants a franchise tag. That's going to be a huge hit on their cap if they decide to bring him back. I think all signs point to, and, and Aaron said he's not going to drag this thing out pretty uh, long he think he will make his decision before free agency starts which should be in a month and i think he'll be on a different team now whatever team he goes to is anybody's guess i do think it will be an afc team uh there's a lot of options out there you know there's denver denver could be an option the rumor is that the that the packers offensive uh coordinator will be the head coach in denver That could be a way for him to go over there. You go to Tennessee. As we saw this past week, Tennessee needs a quarterback. That could be an option. Pittsburgh needs a quarterback with Roethlisberger being done. The Raiders might be moving on from Derek Carr. There's a lot of options here for Green Bay to get enough compensation back and for Aaron Rodgers to be comfortable in where he goes, man. So I think that's something we got to monitor over these next week. But that's just my prediction on what's going to happen between these two. Now, out with the old, in with the new, man, this past weekend I think was the greatest, at least at least for me, the greatest weekend of football, football I've ever seen. I've never seen four playoff games be decided at the last, the final possession in all four. We had three of them in on the last second field goal, and then we had Brady versus Josh Allen. Not Brady, Mahomes versus Josh Allen in the uh, AFC Divisional game, which went to overtime. And that game, seven touchdowns scored between the two. You know, over 3,000 yards passing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, it, it, it was just, you know, crazy things that we saw this past weekend. And you're really setting up the new era with Joe Burrow. You see what's going on over there with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And it's exciting to see kind of like the, the guard switching. Like we all know over the last 20 years we've been watching all these guys. And Mahomes is kind of like the leader of the new school. On my article on Slick Sports, I compared it to the rise of the attitude era. Of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Undertaker, Triple H, and it's kind of like what we're seeing right now: with Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and even guys who are not in the playoffs like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, um, and who knows? Maybe even Trevor Lawrence might get into this in a couple years. I still think, despite his poor rookie year, once he gets a better coach and maybe it's left which that he can be in that conversation, it's going to be fun to see. And all the games fun, but but everybody wants to talk about this Bills Chiefs game and. This was one of the greatest football games I've ever seen in my life. And I was on the edge of my seat, and I had no root interest. Now, of course, I picked the Bills to win. I was wrong. That defense they played – both both teams played shitty defense. Like, everybody is focused on the Bills giving up all those yards with 13 seconds left. But the Chiefs' defense wasn't any better. Like, they they were trading shots for, like, the last minute. Last two minutes of that game was ridiculous. So it was bad defense on both sides. But I think a lot of people are too focused on the overtime rules. And I feel like the overtime rules are shadowing such a great competition that we saw between the two. You got to play some damn defense. I understand people say both, both both should get a pick. No, if you go out there and you play defense, then you'll get the ball back. The game only ends if you score a touchdown. Even if you hold them to a field goal, you're still getting the ball back. So play some kind of defense and you'll be able to respond. So, I don't want to hear about it's not fair to each one. This game was decided by a, to- a coin toss. No, it was decided because the Bills couldn't play no fucking defense. That's what it was decided by. And we need to stop talking about that, man. Just focus on what's really going on with these defenses. And I think we're just getting way too offensive heavy with the NFL to where we're forgetting that there's two sides of the ball. And But just on... Uh, a rivalry standpoint, I think we can officially call this a rivalry. I think this has a great chance to be this new generation's Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. We've seen them meet in the playoffs multiple times, multiple conference championship games. This is the second time these guys have met. And you can really see the respect between the two, as we saw between Brady and Manning. I think it was even a cool shot at the end of the game after Mahomes threw that touchdown to Kelsey when he ran down to the 50-yard line to grab Josh Allen, hug him, and they talked up in the middle of the field. And I think that's dope for the NFL. And the NFL doesn't lose right now. I think everybody's talking about, you know, oh, well, football's not what it used to be. Bro, the ratings we got this week were ridiculous. There was even a stat that 90% of TVs that were in Kansas City were watching this game. And the bigger thing about it, these are small market teams. This is Kansas City and this is Buffalo. It's not like we've got the Giants or the Bears or the Niners or things like that. These are small market teams generating this this this, this big ass viewing for the NFL. And if you're Roger Gill, you should be you should be beyond excited. On the other hand, with the NBA, we're, we're, we're getting towards the end of the LeBron James era. You know, I'm not saying we're getting towards the end of Katie and Steph, but these guys are the elder statesmen now, and... As big as, you know, some of the young talent is. I don't think we have too many franchise-changing young players, at least yet. There's some potential to be that. But you've already got that right now in Mahomes and Allen. And it looks like we're going to get that with Burrow. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be Herbert and the others. And that's just the AFC. The NFC is not as um, competitive right now. I think the the guys you can name will probably be Kyler Murray is a guy you got to look at. Um... There's a potential Trey Lance, who's going to be the quarterback of the 49ers next year. It doesn't matter if Jimmy Garoppolo hoists a Lombardi in a couple of weeks or not. That guy is out of there. They're going to build this team around Trey Lance next year. He has a he has a shot. Now, Trey is an extreme project. I don't want to compare him to Trubisky, but Trubisky was a project also. Now, he's going to be in a much better situation being surrounded by by Kyle Shanahan and that offense and being surrounded with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and that great defense. He's got the perfect tools to win. Another contender who could beat one of those guys in the NFC is Justin Fields, another guy like Trevor Lawrence who has been surrounded by shit in his rookie year must showed flashes of being that great quarterback and who they were in college and high school. These are the two guys who've been – you know, touted as the next generation great quarterback since they were in high school. Remember all the, all remember the QB one show on Netflix. If they get it, the Bears get the right coach around him, get the right weapons around him, he could be a guy who could be, you know, a Mahomes challenger on the NFC side. So I think it's just real fun times for the NFL in general, and as a fan, it's like this is heaven for us right now, and it's the first time that we're going to have a championship Sunday this week that doesn't feature Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers since two thousand nine. That is an incredible stat, man. So let's get right into Championship Sunday this week. The uh, If you've been living on the rock, the championship games in the AFC, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs hoi- uh, hosting the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. This will be the uh, the Chiefs' fourth straight consecutive uh, hosted AFC championship game. I don't think this has been done in NFL history, at least not in recent history. And they're going to be going up against Cincinnati Bengals, will be in their first AFC Championship game since the year I was born 1988. You know, and on the NFC side, we've got one of the best rivalries in football, the Los Angeles Rams hosting it at SoFi Stadium against the San Francisco 49ers, man, and the Rams have a chance to be the second team to have the Super Bowl be hosted in their home stadium. Of course, we all in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did that last year. Let's start off with the first game of the of the year. I mean, the first game of, the, of this other day, which would be the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. This game right here, I'm I'm done picking against the Kansas City Chiefs. I picked against them uh, in these first not I didn't pick him against, him against Pittsburgh, but I put, picked against him last week. And I just wasn't high on him all year just for the simple fact that the offense didn't look like how they have looked. Mahomes didn't look like the Mahomes of old. Like, there was three or four games that he went through where he didn't even score a passing touchdown, something we've never seen from him. And, of course, the defense was very, very bad the first half of the season. It's been much better since then. But – from these two playoff games, they are looking like the team we have known since uh, Mahomes was named the starter. And I think that's big. You've got him and Travis Kelsey looking like one of the greatest duos in NFL history. I think this is going to be a very, very close game just because if you look at the defensive side of the ball, I think the Bengals have a slightly better defense than the Chiefs. And we don't know if Tyron Matthews is going to play this week. He's been in concussion protocol. Andrew Andy Reid says that he thinks he'll play, but you'll probably never really know till last minute. I mean, if you see with the Packers, everybody thought David Bacchiari was going to play, and he got put on the inactive list at the very last minute. So I don't think we're going to know what's going to happen with that till a couple uh, minutes before kickoff. But and one thing I love about Joe Burrow on this side, I feel like everybody has been counting them out in these playoffs. Last week, I didn't give them. I didn't pick them to beat Tennessee especially with that offensive line. But the good thing for the uh, for the Bengals, this Chiefs defensive line is nowhere near as good as what, what they saw last week in Tennessee. They used to play in the hostile situations. But what the Bengals can't do is what they did in week 17, and that's go down by double-digit by double points in this game because you're going to be on the road this time. You're not going to have that Cincinnati crowd behind you to be able to come back and win this game. I feel like if they get down 10, 13, it might be curtains. But – I'm going to take uh, the Chiefs in this game. I think it'll be a highly contested game, very close game. And I think the Chiefs are just, they're not going to have enough offensively to beat them. To to even have a chance to beat a Patrick Mahomes-led team, especially in the playoffs, you got to put up at least 35 points. At least 35 points. The Bills put up 36 and lost. So that and and the Chiefs put up 42 points against the number one defense in the NFL. Statistically, the Bills were the number one defense in the NFL. And as good as this Cincinnati unit has been, especially in the playoffs, they are not the uh Bills on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I ultimately think that Burrow in the office isn't going to be able to go blow for blow with Mahomes. And I do think it'll be at least a 10-point win for the Chiefs. But it's going to be one of those games where it's close and then it gets decided on a last-minute touchdown and pushes it up to 10. But I think it'll be a very, very good game. And of course, NFC Championship game, Niners and Rams. This is a toss-up. This is the most toss-up game of this Sunday because you have two division rivals. The Niners are coming into this game winning six in a row against the Rams, which is which is crazy. Swept them this year. Destroyed them at uh, Levi Stadium early in the season. And it came back from 17 points. Uh, in week 18 against the Rams in SoFi Stadium, and I don't care how good you are, it's very hard to beat the same team, especially a team in your division three times. It's just some things that we just don't happen. See, see a lot, and you have both of these teams that they're not necessarily going to run run away with, and they kind of mirror each other in that way. Why I feel like both defenses are nasty, both. Uh, pass rushes are nasty. I think the defense, the difference between the be, well, I would feel like the secondary of the Rams is much better just because you got a guy like Jalen Ramsey who is a shutdown corner, one of the few true shutdown corners we have left in this league. And he's going to be able to make things uh rough on this uh Niners receiving court. And both the quarterbacks are kind of similar. Now, I, of course, we all know Stafford is is a, is a more talented quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, and I even think Stafford is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But they do they both do smelly shit. You can't really foot, put your trust in either of them, because Stafford could be playing a great game, and he played a great game this past Sunday. I mean, as a guy who's been a staunch uh, Matthew Stafford hater, you know, I even you know called him Stat Padford, one of one of my names for him. I'm gonna say he shut me up because he still has to finish the deal. Jared Goff still got this team to a Super Bowl. So I think in order to justify the trade and giving up all those first rounders that the Rams did to get him, they have to win the whole thing. But going into Tom Brady House, which is something I said in the middle of the season, I just did not see happening. That shut me up for a little bit. I was like, damn. You know, there was no part of me that thought the Rams were winning that football game after they tied it with a minute and 30 left. I'm like, okay, this is we're going to overtime with the absolute worst. The Bucks are gonna get the ball back, and it's going to be curtains. You know what I'm saying? And, and I thought it was gonna be over. Matthew Stafford came through. Fuck all this shit. 70 yard bomb. Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup, by the way, top three, maybe even be the top two wide receiver in this game right now. He was great last week against the Bucks, and he's been great all season. Came very close to uh, breaking Megatron's record. That's gonna be a guy. I think you're gonna see have a huge game this week. But I'm still taking the Niners, and this is the reason why I'm taking the Niners. This team just gives me Team of Destiny vibes. And what I mean by Team of Destiny vibes, I'm not saying I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl because, like I said, I'm done picking against the Chiefs. But as far as the NFC, they've done everything they could. They, this was a team that was dead in the water in the midseason. Out of the Soldier Field midseason at the end of October when the Bears hosted them. And it looked like the Niners had no chance of making the playoffs. The Bears were up in that game. They came back. Jimmy Garoppolo had a hell of a game. Debo had a hell of a game. They came back one. Beat the Bears. And that kind of got them rolling in the second half of the season. And they came through. Finishes one of the bottom seeds. They went out there, beat the Rams in the final uh, week of the season, went on the road to Dallas, beat the number one seed there, went in the cold and the snow, something nobody thought they could do, beat the Green Bay Packers. This is a team they know they can beat, and this is a team they know is going to give them every shot to beat them. That's one thing the Rams don't know how to do. The Rams don't know how to close games. That's going to be a big factor. And Jimmy G is kind of like the opposite of Stafford. Stafford could be having a great game and then it goes to shit. Jimmy G could have a great game and have a game that started off shit. In the fourth quarter, he starts looking like Montana. It's the weirdest shit on planet Earth. So I would not be shocked if the Rams do win this game. It's very tough to beat, three, beat teams three times. I'm going to go with the Niners. I think the defense will be a little bit too much, and I trust Jimmy Garoppolo just a little bit more than I trust Matthew Stafford in the fourth quarter, man, and I think that's going to be the side. In fact, then we're going to get a rematch of Super Bowl 54 right here in SoFi Stadium in a couple weeks between the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, man. I think that would be a good one. When we come back, man, we're going to have our uh, guest segment. We got Nick Hamilton from Nightcast Media, and we got the homies John and Dadio from the Number One Bengals podcast joining us to talk about both championship games, man. We'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm not going to hold you, man. We've got a double, double dose today of guests. First, I got my guys, John and my man Dadio MacDuke from the Number One Bengals podcast out there man that's all you need to know these are some these some great guys i've been on you guys show multiple times at the beginning of the season talk about the legend that is joe burrow and so it is an honor to have you guys on my show how y'all doing man couple days for the afc championship
2: man we, we are feeling great me and john we don't know what to do with ourselves <laughs> we're feeling great about being we're great to be. it's great to be on your show for once i love your show i've been following your show for a very long time very fun very lively so we're just so happy that you had us on your show.
1: Man, it, it is a pleasure, man. It's definitely great to have y'all on, man. Let's just get into it. Uh, when I first came to you guys' show for the first time, it was maybe like a couple weeks before the season began. I don't know. We were talking about Justin Fields. We were talking about how much a fan I was about, about uh, Joe Burrow. And then, of course, I came back was right before the Bears game against the uh, Bengals, and I thought Joe Burrow was going to kick ass. That was one of the few games we won this year. Uh tell me how you guys have felt about this entire regular season, this entire run. And even in your wildest imagination, did you think you'd be here 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl? John,
0: Daddy, you want to take that? You want me to take it? OK, I'll, yes, I'll, I'll yes. give you the real version. Then Daddy will give you his version as well. I think around that, that time with the, with the Bears game, you know, it was still a lot to figure out about this team in general. They were coming off. Of a you know clutch win against the Minnesota Vikings, but you could tell that there were still limitations with Burrow and the offense in general, and a lot of that was exposed in that Week Two game. And then after that, it seemed like things were starting to click. You know, they beat Pittsburgh by two touchdowns. Burrow looked more like his normal self. He was mobile in the pocket, and ever since then, they just kept building and building and building. The, the team in general has just been really growing up together and just really meshing well with just everyone in the locker room. Guys are staying healthy. And the more that Burrow played, the more comfortable he got with that knee brace on. And now he's basically back to 100 percent. And then in December against the 49ers, we really saw the true arrival of LSU Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And he was truly making this, these magical plays and playing at this insane level of efficiency that has carried now into the playoffs. And then they got to the playoffs and then they won their first playoff game in 31 years. They won their first road playoff game in in. Team history, and now there's there's just a feeling that there's really nothing that this team can't really do, despite you know a lot of people saying before the year that they were a year away.
2: Yeah, I'm just to back John's point. Joe Burrow tore so many ligaments in his knee that I had to study anatomy just to do the show. He, it was like 15 ligaments. This man a year ago couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't do anything, and he could talk and, and. well, he could talk, but it was, it was, it was mostly groaning and moaning. But, but look, he got sacked in the playoff game against the Titans nine times. And I think that's a perfect that – that encapsulates the whole season for the Bengals. It's like the Bears game, it was a disaster. The Browns game, the first Browns game was a disaster. Burrow didn't play in the second one, where it was just like everything fell apart. And then the team comes back the next week two weeks later, whatever, and they have a blowout win that nobody expects them to win. And with this team, with this offensive line, everybody knew the offensive line was a problem, and it showed itself at the worst time. But also, it makes sense that in the playoffs, where it's more physical, there's more on the line, you know, it's, it's harder to hide your, your, your deficiencies. But it didn't matter. It doesn't matter for Burrow, and it doesn't matter for the rest of the team. The team has its identity. I can't think in history when we've ever had a football team Accomplish the things this team has done with these kind of deficiencies. And it's all because of that mentality. Burrow has the mentality. McPherson, our kicker, has the mentality. And our, our, our defense, the defense, you know, gives up some huge plays to A.J. Brown. But guess what? They come back. Eli Apple, a castoff, a, a, a guy who's, who's been around the league. Nobody thought he was good. He comes, he tips the ball. Interception, you know, Burrow throws a quick 20, 30-yard pass, ends the game. And, and, and that is, that's why what, that's what this team, there is, they could win any single game and the deficiencies could show at any time. But they have guts and they, they have courage and they really feel they're capable of everything.
1: And that, that's why I love most about the Bengals team is the confidence that you see from these guys. It's like Joe Burrow, like even after the first win, which is a huge win for you guys against the Raiders first playoff winning over 31 years, everybody's celebrating y'all coaches buying people drinks at the bar and Joe Burrow's out there like, yo, this is one fucking win. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not a big thing, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's what I loved about it. It's like, he's just like, okay, we won that. Let's go to the next one. And so, even last week, the defense. Now, I picked Tennessee last week. I was on the show last week. I picked Tennessee. I went one of three of my picks. Now, granted, the one I got right was the one I really wanted. was the Packers losing. So I'm fine with losing the other three picks that I had. But uh, what I love from them is they took Tannehill completely out of that game. And a lot of people had the questions. And you had, you know, with the offensive line, letting Joe Burrow get sacked nine times, it didn't matter. He kept fighting. Kept going out there making big plays, and I think him and Jamar Chase are one of the top duos in the NFL right now, and it's going to be for the next decade. So, the next question I've got for you guys is this is only second year, second year with Joe Burrow, first year is actual content. I mean, t- actual contenders. And I always say, Are you guys playing with house money? Like, you know, I feel like a lot of people keep talking about Patrick Mahomes for this upcoming weekend, rightfully so. Do you think, like, uh, or is this one of the things where, like, oh, we have to win. Let's take advantage of this. Or I'm just happy with us being here for right now. I didn't see this coming. Well,
2: I'll go first, and then John can correct what I say. I, I, my approach is this. It, on the one side, yes, we've exceeded everybody's expectations. I would say even Joe Burrow's expectations. I don't think anybody thought this team would be able to get to the AFC championship game I mean, I, I'm, other than myself, obviously, I predict them to go fifteen and two in the Super Bowl. But I'm, I'm not. It's not about me. This show is not about me. <laughs> but no. But I will say this: on the one hand, they've they've already surpassed expectations. On the other hand, as our good friend Joe Goodberry pointed out, other people pointed out, you rarely get an opportunity yeah. where you have, other than offensive line and linebacker, this team has no holes. I don't care what anybody says. The secondary, people this the secondary against the Titans. They weren't watching the game. They didn't pick up what was going on in the game. The, the defensive line is very good. Maybe we need one more pass rusher, but it's very good. And obviously, the wideouts, the running back, and Joe Burrow. So this team, and the special teams, this team is a complete team. is a pretty complete team, missing a couple of big holes. And it's a very healthy team. So how is that going to happen next year? Is it going to happen the year after that? We don't know. Yes, Joe Burrow will be good. The offense will be good. But is the defense going to be this good? You know, yeah. is, is, are they, is everybody a bit healthy? So that is why we need to a strike now. And, and the, I want to say, you know, I really think that 31-year playoff curse being lifted off their backs, that powered the – we went on the road against the Titans team, the number one seed in the AFC, and we out-tightened them. Yeah. They play very physical, and they had the personnel to, to really roll over us. And, they, were, and they, were, they started to get there. They started to get some long runs. And we just pushed back and fought back. And I think that momentum we have right now is what can carry us all the way to the championship. It might not be there every year.
0: I think D'Addio hit it on the second point there. Like the Bengals, the good thing about them is that they have a lot of guys who are under contract not just for next year, but for the next 2 years. Like a lot of guys still on the rookie deals and you're looking at a potential window with this roster going through like the 2023 season. So like I think the team is still primed to be in contention for the next couple of years and it's not just going to be this year, but what D'Addio mentioned with the health. Like they've been extremely healthy you know, regard you know, relative to expectations, relative to what they have been in years past, like they only have a handful of starters who are not going to play against the Chiefs that started in Week One, and that's what you really have to take advantage. Like you just look at other great teams in just recent memory. Like look look at your Bears, man. They went to the Super Bowl in two thousand and six, and unfortunately they 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 yeah, lost seventy nine and in that action. one. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you went then you went to a conference championship a few years later. You I yeah. think you I believe you lost Aaron Rodgers that one, and you guys haven't really been back since. So like good teams they come and go right and those those windows those opportunities they're they're not as frequent as you would expect like the Seahawks only won one Super Bowl with Russell Wilson the Packers only won one with Aaron Rodgers the Saints only won one with Drew Brees like you don't know how many times you're going to be able to get to this point where everything is clicking at, at this optimal efficiency and you have the opportunities to face these kinds of teams so I think the Bengals have a chance to be back in the next couple of years to this situation but Will all the circumstances be right in those years? I don't know, but this, that's why that you have to take advantage of when you have it right now.
2: I mean, John, I'll add to that. Oh, sorry, I just real quick. No, go, ahead, go ahead, Dan Marino, his second year, record-breaking year, right? The man throws forty-eight touchdowns over five thousand yards. But the Dolphins had kind of the similar issues that the Bengals do, which is they couldn't put the defenses together. They couldn't get the run. They couldn't put all the pieces around Marino, and then it was gone. Yeah. It seems like I don't know what happened, you know, Scott the past offseason and the one... We have nailed our free agency picks. I mean, Chidobe Abouzie, you know, uh, Mike Hilton, you know, Eli Apple. Who thought Eli Apple? I mean, that, you know, so many surprise stories from free agency. And the draft picks, they've been working out. Logan Wilson, you know, a lot of draft picks that people didn't expect to work out this well. It's all just coming together. and, And yes, Duke Tobin does a great job. But I mean... It's just yeah, it's just how you know. Can we keep all these guys together? Can we, you know, it's it's there's a lot there, yes.
1: And and, and you're right about that. Both of y'all, right, John. And you, like you said with the Packers, and that's been the theme of today's episode is that Aaron Rodgers has only won one championship. And last time he did, Obama was in his first term, but anyway, I digress. Uh, going into the AFC championship game, it's my last question for y'all. I know y'all picking the Bengals, so give me a score and give me two things that the Bengals need to do for that score to hold up and for them to go into the super bowl here in la in a couple weeks
0: i'm gonna let john start you're gonna let me go first this one yes sir okay I, i'm i'm a little bit torn honestly about, about this game because on, on one hand i think the chiefs are the other team i think they're the more reliable team and they're playing at home they're playing in a place where the afc championship has been for the past three years they know what the situation is but on the flip side even though the Bengals aren't experienced and they haven't been in the spot, they don't give a single damn because it's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all these guys and these free agents, these veterans who have been in this situations before and, and Burrow and Chase and Jonah Williams, deegans they've been on the stage in the college football playoffs. And the moment is just not too big for them. So it's really hard to count them out of, of these in, in these environments and you have to think if they win this game, then they probably have a really good chance in the Super Bowl. But you know, I I, I honestly think that the Chiefs are just a little bit more reliable and I think you can rely on them to score thirty five points in, in their own stadium in the playoffs. And I think that's Probably going to be the case. So I'm going to say Chiefs 35, Bengals 31. But the Bengals just need to not fall behind really quickly in this game like they did the last time against the Chiefs because playing in Arrowhead, when you you don't have the communication factor, the stadium is boisterously loud. It's going to be really tough to fight off that Chiefs pass rush when you're in obvious passing situations. And that's really the one thing that can stop the Bengals right now. If their offensive line is toast and they're going up against Mahomes, it's going to be really tough. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I would say the keys to being the Chiefs are... For me, there are two things. One is limiting Travis Kelsey again. The man has been, made a lot of big plays. He's, he's had a lot of big games recently. And uh, we killed we him to like 25, 27 yards last time. I don't know if we could do that again. For the Bengals, Titans are the ones who are, make the back-breaking plays, believe it or not, a lot of the times. We got to find a way to limit him again. And the other thing is we got to design plays or use, utilize plays that help Joe Burrow get rid of the ball a little quicker. Because against the Titans, that was the problem is that he didn't have options to to, to when 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 the pass rush was right there in his face. We gotta a start like that, you know, wear out the defensive line a little bit, the first quarter, quarter and a half, and then you take those deepest strikes to Jamar Chase. But Jamar Chase look he had two hundred and sixty six yards last time. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be ready for him this time. I mean, you know, not really, nobody can stop him, but you know what I mean? They're gonna try a little bit harder. And then you have T. Higgins. Uh, you know who can make huge plays, and you have Tyler Boyd who can kill you over the middle. So uh, you let that uh, slowly develop. You know you don't. We 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 exploded in the second half last time. I think we got to let Joe Burrow uh, stay upright for the beginning, and then uh, slowly do the uh down the field shots. Now, having said that, I hate to say it, because uh, you know I'm a big Bengals fan. I love you know we have the number one Bengals podcast with on the Believe Network. Obviously, we you know. And but finally, I would have to say, I think this is the game that the Bengals get knocked out. Okay. And the final score will be 38 to 27 Cincinnati. That is my prediction.
1: Well, you know, it's it's better to have to not have your hopes up as a Bears fan. That's something that my life has been on. I've got my heart broken every fucking time. No, no, no. (laughs) Let me let me correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Bengals are going to win. So when, oh, I when I say yeah, 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 when I say okay. knocked out, it's because when you get knocked out, what do you see? You see a stars. Where are the stars? They're in Los Angeles, and the Super Bowl is in Los Angeles. The Bengals are going to the Super and that's Bowl. Where that's going to be at. Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> I love that, man. Uh- Thank y'all for joining me, man. It's always great talking Bengals foot with y'all, football with y'all, and just football in general, man. Check out their podcast, number one Bengals podcast on the Believe Network. John, Daddy, man. It's always great to talk to y'all. Love you, Scott. You, Scott. Take care, All man. All right, we're back, man. We've got the homie Nick Hamilton, man, from Nightcast Media joining me today, man. He follows the he covers the Los Angeles Rams, of course the Lakers, also on a couple other Los Angeles teams, man. I'm really glad to have you on. Talk about this Rams run to the Super Bowl, man. How's it going?
3: Oh man, it's good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, so uh yeah, so let's 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 just talk about it, man. This this is a run that I feel like a lot of fans in Los Angeles have been waiting to happen, you know, after the trade for Matthew Stafford um has this team uh proven that they can you know compete with anybody or they have to still win the Super Bowl do you think for people to get their general respect you have a lot of people talking about Matthew Stafford has finally cast those demons or uh so you think that even if they get eliminated this Sunday that people are like okay Stafford's the one or do you think they have to go all the way to truly justify that trade
3: well I think you have to at least reach the Super Bowl I mean the fact that they're actually playing in the NFC championship and with all the adversity they had to face throughout the season going through covid losing robert woods one of their top-notch wide receivers fortunately landing obj but then at the time they landed obj he didn't he wasn't comfortable with the playbook and they had to go up against a juggernaut in the 49ers that monday night um acquiring a guy like von miller but then also losing your safety in jordan fuller um so they've got a lot of ups and downs and i think with matthew stafford um he's the guy with the stronger arm he's the guy that uh has definitely been the type of situations where you know that he's answered his questions you know he's kind of conquered his demons um he's kind of been to a point where um you know 0-3 in the playoffs now you know he's 2-0 in the playoffs with the Los Angeles Rams um and he played phenomenally uh against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. um if it wasn't for those four uh, fumbles that the Rams had, they would have probably blown out the Bucks wholeheartedly. Uh, but you can't blame that on Matthew Stafford. You can't blame that uh, on on his play, um, even though he's had some, some really interesting games as far as throwing interceptions, maybe holding on to the ball too long, trying to play hero ball. But it seems like when he stepped into the playoffs, he kind of shook some of that off. He, he, he's not playing that hero ball. If he doesn't see the play, he throws it away. Well, he'll try to run for it. Um, in the Arizona game, he ran, you know, six times for 22 yards. We saw him run a couple times in the Tampa Bay uh, game. So this is a, a slightly different Matthew Stafford. When he's, talking about, he's talking about, I'm snatching souls. We haven't heard that from Matthew Stafford. And that's something that only <laughs> right. L.A. can give you. When you get that kind of confidence with a with an L.A. team like the Rams who are doing uh, on their on the verge of actually hosting the Super Bowl and playing back-to-back games in their house. I mean, you, you're playing with house money. So I think the fact that they got to the NFC Championship um, is something, but I think they have to at least get to the Super Bowl. Now, whether they win it or not is up to you know, up to the teams that, that are going at it. But the fact that they got there in the first year at SoFi Stadium with fans, um, I think is a remarkable accomplishment. I think that's something that they can build on for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, definitely. And as, as a Bears fan myself, I'm no stranger to Matthew Stafford. And just, just watching this past guy, I never thought Stafford was a bad quarterback. Obviously, by taking a, a team or franchise as bad as the Alliance as to a couple playoff wins, I mean to a couple playoff appearances, that's something to be, you know, you know, be proud of. But what I saw this past week against the Buccaneers was something I've never seen from Stafford, especially that last throw to Cooper Cup, where it's like, okay. The usual Tom Brady comeback has begun. Fuck this. I'm going 70 yards down, and we're going to win this game. That was just some type of thing that I've never seen before. Now, going into this NFC Championship game, going against the 49ers, which is a division rival. The Rams have lost six in the them. got swept this year, got destroyed in San Francisco, and then blew a 17-point lead at home in the last week of the season. What do you think they have to do to overcome this uh, issue of actually beating the Niners? And now with the trip on the line, and I feel like the Niners are feeling like we can beat anybody. We beat y'all last week of the season, and we just went into, into the snow and knocked out Aaron Rodgers and crew. What do you think they have to do to actually win this time?
3: Execute. Execute and be consistent. Play all three quarters for 60 minutes. You have to play all three – excuse me, all four quarters of 60 minutes, but then to play all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. If you're able to do that – I mean, we saw we saw a glimpse of that, as you mentioned, the last game of the season when they were up 17 to nothing. They played phenomenal football on all three phases. It's just the fact that Kyle Shanahan made adjustments and Sean McVay absolutely did not. And it cost them the game. It cost them the number two seed. It cost them, uh, you know, some home games in the playoffs. But fortunately, they were able to rebound. And now here we are with the NFC Championship against the same 49ers team. Um, the one thing about the uh, the Rams is the fact that they're going to have to execute and they're going to have to take it play by play. You can't look ahead and say, okay, we got to win this quarter. we got to win the first half. we got to win the third quarter. They have to take it play by play by play. These guys have faced each other twice already. And as we all know, it's very hard. You can beat a team twice, but it's very hard to beat a team three times I don't care whose fans they stands. You still got to go out there on that field and you have to play. And to me, I think this is a different type of Rams team. I think this is a Rams team, as I said earlier, they face a lot of adversity, but they've known how to bounce back from that adversity. Um, they almost tricked off a lead last week, but they were able to hold on and they were able to make the, 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 the right plays at the right times. And when you got a guy like Matthew Stafford who didn't flinch, who didn't get, you know, happy feet, he stayed poised. He stayed in control and made sure that his teammates were also in that same control pattern to where they can properly execute the plays. And that's why we saw that that, that toss to Cooper Cup. Um, and that's what they're going to have to do against the 49ers. This is another juggernaut, not just meant to, not just physically, but also mentally. And if they can get past it on uh, from a physical standpoint, I think this is a Rams team that's going to be very dangerous. And if they're able to beat the 49ers, I don't see how anybody can beat the Rams in the Super Bowl for the Vince Lombardi Trophy.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the fan aspect. I wanted to bring that up next. And you've been very vocal about the fan base of this team. I know uh, Matthew Stafford's wife has been saying, you know, we need to have more Rams fans in the building. Don't give you ticket sales. Don't give your tickets off to Niners fans. Sean McVay mentioned it. What do you think about uh, that criticism that maybe the Rams don't have a big fan base and uh, how they can change that narrative? And what do you think that the team has come, come as far as fans in these last years since they've been back in L.A.?
3: Well, to say the Rams don't have a fan base is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, these are out of towners that I mentioned on my my Instagram post um, when I made a a, a post uh, messaging all these out of towners, these 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 uh, city jumpers, I like to call them, because they have absolutely no I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. You're going to go off one game for an entire season. What I've covered every single game. I've even been on the road on games. Uh, but at home, the 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 Rams fan base has been loud. The Rams fan base has been You know into it they've uh like i said it's it's, that was the first time i think all season we've seen something like that where the niners fans have dominated so far stadium much like how we've seen raider fans dominate so far stadium when the raiders come people have to understand there was 21 years without nfl football in los angeles there's a whole generation in change that don't know anything about los angeles football before 19 you know excuse me post 1995. So when you look at that, the Rams had to come back. Obviously, they're coming from St. Louis. Stan Kroenke brought the team back from St. Louis. 2016, they stunk up. The way. Nobody wanted to still be a part of the Rams until they finally hired a coach that can really coach Sean McVay. And then they were able to gradually – you know build that fan base and like i said before it's going to take years to build that culture out there but they got a great start because what they do not just on the field but what they've done off the field in various communities around los angeles in the black and latino communities in the asian communities in the lgbtq community um just everybody and you know various youth programs that they're a part of so they're developing a fan base but also on top of that they're winning and la likes winners la likes stars and that's why we're having somebody like a Stan Kroenke with deep pockets can get you those stars like a Jalen Ramsey. They can get you an OBJ. They can get you a Von Miller. They can make trades for a guy like Matthew Stafford. L.A. wants to see stars. They're about sensationalism. And if you're not bringing that, then you're not going to be talked about, especially when there's a town dominated by the Dodgers and the Lakers, period. So if the Rams are able to win this Super Bowl, yeah, they'll be the third team to be talked about behind the Dodgers and Lakers. Um, But their fan base is going to continue to grow. And as I said before, if you get 50-50 fans when it comes to the 49ers coming to town, then you're winning. And it's just that simple because people forget there are a lot of Niner fans in L.A. that live in Los Angeles that pick the Niners as their team. The Niners have a great history as far as the dating back to the Joe Montana days and even the Steve Young days, you know, in the 90s. Um, You know, there's Cowboys fans out here, there's Raider fans out here, there's Steeler fans out here, Packer fans. So it's a it's a mixture of, of of a lot of fan bases. But for the for people to say that the, that the Rams don't have a fan base is absolutely idiotic and just downright stupid.
1: <laughs> Definitely, I'm I, I appreciate that answer. I've been wanting to get uh, uh somebody who's not uh, out a ton of like myself, wanting to get your opinion on it. Now the game this week. Can you give us a – who you think is going to win? And if you have a score for us, how do you, you think it's all going to play out this Sunday?
3: Well, I won't say a score, but I do – I do, I, I have a sneaking suspicion the Rams are going to sneak one out. I just feel mm-hmm. like the way the Rams have been playing, the way they've been able to execute, the way they've gone about their business, and even when we, talk, when we spoke with Matthew Stafford this week and even Cooper Cup, they finally say, hey, man, this feels like a normal week. You know, we haven't had really a normal week of practice since the playoffs began because you had that – you know, Monday night affair against Arizona, then you had a short week against Tampa. But now we actually have a full-blown week uh, of practice to be able to get, you know, routines in and get back in the groove. And I think when you look at what these guys are facing, they know exactly what they're, what, what they're up against. I mean, they can they can say to us what they want to say as far as, okay, it's, it's just another week, it's just another game. No, they know this game is very, very imperative to their futures as far as moving forward and being able to, to play for a Lombardi trophy. Every team wants to do that. I don't care how sorry you are or how great you are. Every team has visions and dreams of playing for that Lombardi and being able to raise that Lombardi. And what better way to raise that Lombardi at home at SoFi Stadium um come February 13th. But they know they have to they cannot overlook the 49ers. I think and they understand that listen, the, the 49ers are a defensive team. They like to roll, they like to, they like to pressure and they like to control the tempo. And they like to force the quarterback to go fast as we witnessed against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Um So Matthew Stafford is going to have to make sure that he stays poised in those situations. The good thing about it is Andrew Whitworth is scheduled to come back this week. So he'll have his left tackle back. Um, There's some other guys that are going to come back this week. Ernest Jones is scheduled to come back on the defense. This week he's had progressive uh, practices in the last couple of weeks, according to uh, Sean McVay. So that's going to be promising. Um, And you're just going to have to get guys to play collectively. On offense, defense, and special teams, no more fumbles. You cannot you cannot give up four fumbles and think you're going to beat the 49ers. You will lose and lose badly. Um, so I think it's gonna be a competitive game. I think it's gonna the first couple sets, maybe you know, the teams are kind of filling each other out to see where they're headed to see what they're gonna do. Um, so don't be surprised if you get maybe a three and out or on either side of the ball starting off. But I think as they continue to, to settle into their groove, I think it's gonna be a very competitive game. And I got the Rams by four.
1: Man, Dev, I can't can't wait for this game. I think both games are going to be exciting. I always love division rivalry, especially a rivalry between these teams. I think a lot of people sleep on just how good this rivalry has been. And so I think it's going to be a great game, man. So thank you, Nick, for joining me, man. I, I love everything you do over there with Nightcast Media, man. Appreciate you for coming on, man. All right, man, shout out Nick Hamilton. Shout out the guys, Daddy and John from Number One Genius Podcast, man. Y'all getting tuned with everything they are doing, man. I got one last segment before we get to our Goofy mug of the week, man. We got to talk about one of the big stories in the NFL this week. Massive uh, story. Been a lot of things going on in the NFL. Uh, the Bears just hired a new GM. If you want to know how I feel about that, Saving Night the Hallows will be dropping as soon as the next head coach is announced as we're recording this right now on a Wednesday at 3.50 p.m. Nothing has been decided. So by the time you're watching this, there might be a new head coach. I don't know. By the time we're recording this, the Bears don't have a new coach yet. So when a new coach is decided, me and my brother Flows, we'll talk about it on the show. And you'll get my opinion on that. But the other big story in the NFL, Sean Payton, legendary Sean Payton, head coach of New Orleans Saints, will be stepping down after 16 seasons as head coach had a big press conference the other day. Uh he pulled a little Ted Lasso by dropping off some cookies for the reporters and for the owners of the Saints, man. It's a legendary run he had. I mean, it's, a, it's the Saints have never been a quote unquote legendary team or real good team before he got there. All you remember is the trash bags over the head. You know, Joe Horn pulling out the uh the cell phone out from the field goal post, you know, you know, and that whole era they had there. He brought a winning culture to the Saints. You know, their first year, they made the NFC Championship game against the Bears. One, with the Bears kicked ass. One of a few uh, Bears playoff memories that I have in the snow. I remember Reggie Bush, you know, burned the defense and did like a somersault into the end zone. Just for them to score, just for them not to score for the rest of the game. Drew Brees got picked off multiple times. They had no answer for Thomas Jones. But I digress. Then win the Super Bowl a couple years after that in 2009 by beating the Indianapolis Colts. And they've been in the conversation every year. Every year. He's been real uh, big in getting Drew Brees to become the quarterback he is and getting Drew Brees to become the the Hall of Famer that he will eventually be. A lot of people forget Drew Brees was a lot of people weren't high him coming in new orleans they had questions about that shoulder surgery Had that that's one of the reasons why miami didn't bring him in and sean payton got fully behind him. they built this offense around him, tailored around his strengths and they became one of the best offenses of the last decade man so i just want to salute sean payton for his time at uh new orleans and for that whole era he's you know from the chicagoland area went to eastern illinois university um I, he said he's not retiring. He's just stepping down for a year, which means I think he's going to pull the Bruce Arians, step away for a year, go go get in the booth. Amazon is just bought Thursday Night Football. uh, So they've got Troy Aikman for next year. You never know. You might see him paired up with Aikman and that crew for next year. But I don't think he's done as coach. I will not be shocked. We're sitting here a year from now after the end of the 2022 season, and he's getting a call from Mr. Jerry Jones himself. We know Jerry is in love with – uh, Sean Payton. We all know that Mike McCarthy's on a hot seat, and he's gonna give McCarthy one more year. They're gonna, they gonna wait this thing out, so they don't have to give New Orleans any draft picks. But I do think that he will be back. But hell of a run, hell of a run for uh, Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints. So I just want to salute him on that one. Uh, as we close this out, let's get into our Goofy Mog of the week. Goofy Mog of the week. I gotta give it to the Baseball Hall of Fame writers. Uh, for the last time. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, it's the final year on the ballots, it's the 10th year, if I'm not mistaken, and they got no votes, and it was only one guy who got voted, one total guy, got picked onto the Baseball Hall of Fame, and that is David Ortiz, and this is no disrespect to Big Poppy. big, Big Poppy fan, he was a great Red Sox, great career, three World Series championships, Got a World Series MVP, multiple great moments, one of the anchors of that franchise, bringing him back from the dead. Um, who can ever forget his, his, his big home runs and that 0-3 comeback against the Yankees in 2004. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. My problem with this is the way they're painting, painting it like he's the anti-steroid guy. When there was stories about him taking steroids and... The MLB's hypocrisy when it comes to judging these players who took these steroids is something that's very annoying. Barry Bonds, whether you want to get mad about the steroids or not, he has a Hall of Fame career before he juiced up. You look at his numbers and stats before that. Eight-time Gold Glover, three-time MVP. You know, all these other records that he's had. He that was a Hall of Fame career before. Roger Clemens was great, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Sammy Sosa was brought baseball to the mainstream in 1998. I was only 10 in 98, but I remember that summer of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. I hate the Cubs. But I was watching every damn, every damn day. You know, on WG and seeing them go back and forth. Who's going finish, to finish with the most home runs? And by the way, fuck that ESPN documentary on ESPN Plus about them because it's nothing but Mark McGuire propaganda of us acting like, you know, it was just his story and Sammy was was just a, a a footnote on there when Sammy won the MVP in 98. And the fact that they're doing this, the fact that the Cubs in general, uh, you know, that whole ownership over there, Acting like he didn't bring that franchise to the dead. Not bringing him back. It's ridiculous. We need to start having more players vote for this. And the MLB. If you, have, if you have a problem. You want people to forget about the steroid era. Cool. Get back the money you made from the steroid era then. You can't. Which way is it? It can't be one way. It has to be which way. Which way are we going with this right here? And that's why I'm getting sick of. With these MLB writers. And those are so so stuck up their ass. that They don't see what they're doing. And you got guys who are the greatest of all time. Barry Bonds is the greatest of all time. I don't want to hear about Babe Ruth or any of them other motherfuckers. And they try to make it look like it's a stain on the game. And we can sit here all damn day and talk about the different problems that the MLB has. Shit, we can talk about the one that's going on right now with this shitty-ass lockout. Because you got billionaires crying like they're poor. And I'm just overall tired of it. The MLB Hall of Fame has no credibility. It has the, especially out of all the three major ones. Nobody cares about that. And it's just... With that and the lockout, they're trying to generate more fans, but getting but they're actually alienating the fans that they already have by having lockouts like this and then having a whole four or five hour show about the Hall of Fame just to get one motherfucker in there. So I'm getting tired of all of that. That needs to stop. Barry Bonds is a goat no matter what they say, man. So that is my Goofy Mog of the Week. Thank you all for joining me. Uh, thank you for my guests, Nick Hamilton, John and Daddy all the number one Bengals podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, and RIP Kobe Bryant, uh, as we're recording, this is two year anniversary since the, the tragic passing of him, his daughter, Gigi and seven others in that plane crash, man. I'm wearing my Kobe Jersey in honor of him. man. Uh, we love you, Kobe Shout out to everybody. I'll be back next week. I'm not gonna have, we're gonna we gonna recap Championship Sunday. We're gonna get into more NBA talk because, you know, we only got one more game in football season, man. So we gotta start talking about uh, you know, more basketball, man. So stay in tune with that. You know where to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BarberChair Scott, follow barbershire network at Net. follow HB Media, HB Media TV, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com, backslash barbershire network. I'll holler at y'all next week. Triple double hat trick, I know the code too Ice trade, go for trade, yeah we code too Get yeah, that paper on these players, haters old news Money on the other line, so I'm not gon' hold you Money on the other
3: line, so I'm not gon' hold you